This is the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bonebeat Orthopedic Podcast channel. This series features conversations on professional development and growth opportunities within the field of musculoskeletal healthcare. I'm your host, Daniel Cognetti. Welcome back to another episode of the AOS Career Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Cognetti from San Antonio, and I'm super excited today to welcome one of my great friends and former co-residents, Dr. Don Rask, a current hand fellow at Ortho Carolina. Welcome, Don. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to be talking about a really important topic. Obviously, as orthopedic surgeons, physicians, we're really proud of the work that we put in and the effort and getting to the standing that we have. Maybe more important than that and, and maybe more prideful even is becoming a mom or a dad. And so today we brought on Dr. Rast to talk a little bit about having a child in residency or throughout your career and the demands that that has on your career and balancing life and work. So Don, let's get into it. First, I want to just start with a little bit of background. Tell us about you starting your family. Obviously, you were a resident with me in San Antonio, and I watched you go through that and some of the different things to obviously help you get through that or some of the challenges. So just tell us a little bit about your family dynamic and how everything's going. Absolutely. So I guess I'll start by saying I joining the military, joining orthopedic residency, I never thought that I would have a family during residency. I always thought I would wait until afterwards. I didn't even think I'd be married in residency and that obviously all changed. So I got married. My husband and I have been friends since high school. We got married last year of med school and then moved to San Antonio for residency. And I don't know, people talk about a biological clock and there's truly one because (laughs) I went from thinking I would never have kids to I would wait to have kids till after residency to nope, I don't want to wait. I'm having a kid in residency. I think it freaked my husband out a little bit because he knew the demands of my schedule and he knew that that would mean a lot of responsibility on his side, which it is. But we talked about it together and decided to proceed with trying to have a kid in residency. I think we waited until after the junior residency years were over just because of the demands of the call schedule and what that would mean for us as a family and then also for my co-residents taking someone out of the junior call pool for several months is can be quite burdensome on the program. But anyways, yeah, so we got pregnant my third year and then we had our daughter at the early months of my fourth year of residency. I want to go into a little bit before talking about your cute little baby, Lenny, I want to talk a little bit about your and Bobby's planning. Obviously you have a great relationship and that's part of this, that what makes it successful. So what kind of stuff did you guys talk about ahead of time? Obviously, you have a busy schedule. You can't miss like a ton of time and and Bobby works a lot as well. So how did you guys plan that out or what was your situation like? Yeah, I think we were very blessed in that my husband works for a tech company. And so he got six months of paternity leave, which took a lot of this stress out of trying to find childcare when Lennox, our daughter, was really young. And so we basically decided he would be the primary caregiver for those six months until he had to go back to work. And then once he went back to work, we wanted to hire a nanny or have someone in the house because he works from home. So he could at least keep an eye on that person in the beginning. And then we eventually transitioned to daycare. But thankfully, he loves being a dad and really wanted to be a dad after the initial shock of realizing he was going to be a dad was over. (laughs) And so he does... I would say most of it. In the morning, I leave before she before she gets up. I'm gone. So he gets her up, he makes her breakfast, and then he takes her to daycare. And then he picks her up from daycare, 
if I'm home in time for dinner, I'll help with dinner. And then I usually give her a bath and read a book and put her down. But he does a lot of it. And we talked about that before that he knew based off of my schedule, I could just, there's no real other way to do it. I have some friends and co-fellows that have two visiting families and it's a very different conversation for them as well because they both have very demanding schedules. And so they rely a lot on outsourcing, hiring a couple of nannies or family, things like that. Yeah, that communication ahead of time and obviously the planning and having a superstar spouse like my man, Bobby, that definitely helps. I don't know if it can be successful without that. Question for you about planning in terms of your work life. Obviously, you get pregnant and then you have some time prior to leave and, and the baby being there. What did you do in terms of taking formal steps to say to the program, hey, I'm going to be missing this time or making sure that your education didn't suffer or to make sure that you had time for the baby? Yeah. So I, and this will vary depending on what residency program you're in or if you're in your early career, but we had different rotations. I basically scheduled my fourth year schedule so that I would be missing rotations that either I'd already had multiple rotations of or that were away rotations. So I didn't have to miss a lot of calls. So I tried to schedule my year so that it would be as least disruptive as possible for my co-residents and my attendings. Again, you can't always do that and you just have to go with the flow as it comes. And then as far as having to make up time, I met with my program director and was essentially like, this is a situation I want to take my full maternity because I think it's a really important time when your child is a brand new baby and you're just trying to figure out how to be a mom and how to breastfeed and all that stuff. And so I basically was like, if I have to make up time at the end of the year, I can. And he basically was like, we'll set it up so that the first half of maternity leave, I wasn't doing anything. And then basically the second half of maternity leave, I was doing research and some small clinical duties that were very light so that I could still stay engaged and not have to miss a bunch of time and make up time, but that I still was able to do all of the things I wanted to do with my daughter. It was very helpful. They worked with me and we're very accommodating, which I think made all the difference. Yeah. Obviously having a supportive program, we were classmates at the time and we had ample time, obviously, like you mentioned, to plan out the call schedule and make sure we could take care of you and make sure that you could take care of your baby. And then program leadership is obviously really important. You hear sometimes about people not getting that kind of support. I hope in part of our reason for doing this podcast is to bring more support. So hopefully that'll go by the wayside as we draw light to this issue. Sorry, I do want to interrupt and talk a little bit more about that just because I do have friends who were in that situation and only got two weeks of maternity leave and had to take two weeks of vacation. And it is truly like that time early on in a baby's life and in your early like motherhood life is extremely important for you and for the baby. And I do think it is very important, maybe not all to get three months. That, that is quite a long time. And I think that's unique to the military, but at least two months, I truly believe is very important. And if you have to make up time at the end of the, your training, that's fine. But I would very much encourage programs and people thinking about having a kid to do whatever you can to take that time early in maternity leave. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that definitely highlights the issue. Question for you. As you get into pregnancy, you start showing maybe your legs are swelling, you're exhausted, you're carrying this baby inside of you. I want to know just the challenges of 
kind of day-to-day orthopedic surgery. We work long days. We're on our feet for long periods of time, maybe on call overnight, not get the sleep that you want. You may not be able to eat on your schedule. So talk to us a little bit about the physical challenges and maybe anything you did, whether it's compression socks or things like that, that helped you out. Yeah. (laughs) Your body, you think you have control of your body and then you get pregnant and you realize you do not. The biggest thing is the feeling nauseous and feeling you're going to pass out. A lot of times if you don't eat enough or something like that, you might've had experienced that in the past, but being pregnant, you truly, you just have to sit down. You can't, if you're in the OR, like I, one of my friends actually passed out in the OR when she was pregnant because she was trying to push through it and you just can't, your body's going to do what it wants to do. And you, if you feel like that, just sit down and take a second. One, listen to your body. Two, you might not always be able to get the sleep that you need, but controlling what you can is important. For me, that was eating. When you're on call or you have long OR cases, you can't, you sometimes go to bed late and can't get the sleep you want. But I would always make sure to carry a bunch of healthy snacks around with me in my bag or have it in my office. And I would literally plan my day around eating. And part of that is because we're a lot of times we don't take care of our bodies, but then when you are growing a child inside of you, it's another motivation. You're not just taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your growing child. And so for me, it gave me the motivation to be like, nope, I need to go eat right now. I know it's a busy day. Someone can spare me for five minutes to go eat a quick bite. So I think that is also really key. Awesome. Thank you. And then yes, compression socks. That's always, I wear compression socks now. That's just, everyone should wear compression socks. The passing out thing, is that why you went into hand surgery? Just so you could not have to, you're sitting down already, you're good. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's get into after Lenny's born. Let's talk about, you start going back to work and you're getting back involved clinically. What are some of the things that you remember or maybe some of the challenges that you had with balancing those two things? So I think the hardest part that is very undersold and you don't really realize until you do it yourself is breastfeeding when you're a working mom, because that means that you have to pump every few hours, which is worth it, but it is very burdensome and it's stressful, especially if you're in an area where they might not have an area for you to go pump privately. Again, thankfully, I was very blessed in being surrounded by very supportive leadership and attendings who would let me, wouldn't make a big deal about me having to leave the OR or leave clinic to go pump. I had at one of the hospitals we rotated at, the chair of the orthopedic department called the hospital CEO to get a nice reclining chair in the locker room so that I could pump. So that was helpful, but that is something that I think was one of the hardest things that I had to deal with that I didn't really think about prior to having a child. And then the other part of it is just the emotional part you have a new baby, your hormones are going crazy because you're still breastfeeding. And it is really hard to go back to work and leave your child. And I think as time goes on and you get into the routine of things, it does get better, but that that can be really emotionally draining. And for me, it was key to have a supportive spouse and supportive colleagues and friends that I could talk to about it. I mean, it's hard, right? Like any working mom, not just in orthopedics or in medicine, any mom that has to go back to work, it's hard. It's hard to split your time like that. 
Obviously, I don't have a kid, but when I think about that as a possibility, I feel that you could have this sort of terrible sense of guilt for both things, like being away from your baby and being away from work, which we're all dedicated clinicians. We want to be at work, but we also want to be with our family and our child. And so obviously, yeah, the support system is key in that. And then I think something I try to work on a lot and we talk about sometimes is being there when you're there, being present in the moment. And so when you're with your kid, you can't be thinking about work or when you're at work, you got to be focused on work. And I think obviously that that can probably help a lot of people. Yeah. And I think, again, having a supportive spouse is key because he doesn't make me feel guilty if I come home late because of work. But it is true. When I get home, I sleep less now, essentially. So I get home and I completely spend time with my husband and my daughter. And then once she goes to bed, I go study and do my work. You're completely right. Now that she's getting a little bit older, she's got her sass face going and everything. Obviously, she's getting her own little personality, but you guys have transitioned now. You're a fellow, which again, just like a resident, you're working tons of hours. How have things changed now that she's getting a little bit older, maybe recognizes you, starts talking a little bit more? How has that changed with your move to Ortho Carolina? Again, I think in some ways it's easier because I think the breastfeeding phase that first year is very difficult. And so the instant you are done breastfeeding is a huge, for me, I should say, and maybe this isn't every mom, so I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it was a huge relief because I was no longer having to leave the OR or leave clinic to go pump. I wasn't stressed about how much milk production I was making and if I was going to be able to feed her appropriately. So once that was done, once that year was over, it got a lot easier. And then also in some ways, they still obviously need you, but it's a different type of need. And so in that sense, it's easier too. like, she kind of like does her own thing. She loves, she's obsessed with her dad, of course. And she'll go back and forth. Like some days she'll want mommy, but it doesn't feel as big of a deal to rip that bond away now that she's older and she has her own little thing going for her. That being said, she does sometimes when she's in a mood, will want mom. And if I have to leave because I'm on call, she'll have a fit and cry, but it lasts for two minutes and then she's over it. So I think it's, for me, it is easier now that she's a little bit older. Very interesting. One of my friends in San Antonio, she's a foot and ankle surgeon and she just had a baby and she's in private practice. So bringing in a little bit different perspective, I don't want to speak for her too much, but the challenges that residents and fellows face is obviously different from people that are early in their career, early in practice, and especially private practice. And talking to her about some of the different challenges she's had is one of the big things is she's going to be away from her practice on maternity leave and she's still paying her overhead, which is just crazy to think about. There's nothing to be done. It's, you know, it's her small business, but luckily her partners have been very supportive with clinic follow-ups, making sure to help out and manage any of her patients. But I know that that likely causes significant stress for her. And so that's you know, something for people to think about it when you're going to leave your practice for two or three months, potentially that can have financial implications, which this is already a stressful time, but it can add some more stress. So planning it out is important. Yeah, absolutely. I think in general, people are becoming a lot more supportive of female physicians, orthopedic surgeons getting pregnant during their careers or residency. Maybe that's not the case across the board. And so I'm wondering if you've heard stories about people not getting maternity leave, or how do you think that the AOS can really help push a more widespread policy for maternity leave or supporting pregnant mothers or fathers who are going to be having babies? 
as I kind of alluded to before, I had a very supportive program, very supportive leadership and colleagues, co-residents in the, the class above me who actually did not let me make up my call. They covered my call for me and basically refused. They're like, nope, you're not making it up. You need to spend time with your child, which in hindsight was amazing because you don't realize how tired you'll be. But I think for those programs that don't have that built in, if there's just a policy in place that people can look to for an example would be very helpful because then it doesn't so much rely on the good nature of those around you, but truly there is a policy in place that people can use for maternity leave. I think that would be very helpful. And if AOS can draft something up like that in his example so that other programs, because I've a couple of my friends, they wrote their own maternity leave policies essentially because they realized when they got pregnant that there was none in place. That shouldn't be on the person who's pregnant. They're busy enough in residency. I think if AOS had an example maternity leave policy that programs could just pull from, that would be really helpful. Yeah, that sounds like a great opportunity for an advisory opinion. And I think AOS really can lead the way on that. People shouldn't have to make up their own maternity policy. There's enough guilt about missing work when you should be enjoying this time. So that's kind of sad to hear. So hopefully we can be better. Don, I really appreciate you joining us today. I think we've had a great conversation and it's obviously always great to talk to you since I missed you since you're in Carolinas, but I'll see you when you come back to San Antonio. For anybody who wants to learn more about what the AOS can do in terms of work-life balance, parenting and supporting parents, there's going to be a February issue of the AOS Now, which goes over work-life balance, and there'll be other resources coming out from the AOS on that as well. Thanks, Don. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AOS Career Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel, with production and sound design by Mission Based Media. For more information on this topic and other conversations on professional development, please visit aos.org backslash the Bone Beat career. <laughs>